0: what I'm talking about, Scores! <laughs> it's now time to take you outside the lines and in the locker rooms of your Ryder Bronx to keep you up to date with everything from scores, exclusive interviews with your favorite players and coaches, and the latest buzz around campus surrounding Ryder athletics on the Bronx Box Score. Now here's your host, Justin Riemann. Welcome
1: into another week's edition of the Bronx Box Score. I'm your host Justin Reifman. As you just heard, I will soon, soon later on this segment, be joined by a very, very special guest of studio. I I might have to say he might be one of my most special guest to have on this whole semester. So get ready for that and stay tuned in because you'll see who it is. But first, I want to recap our uh, rider athletics the recap what happened this past week this past weekend and i am going to start with some baseball. Um, Ryder Baseball swept their series with Iona this weekend. The Bronx improved to a 12 10 overall record on the season, including a 3 and 0 MAC record. Diona Gales fell to 0 19 overall and 0 3 in MAC play. Um, just a great team effort all around. Ryder scored first for the third time in the series on Sunday. John Volpe drew a two walk out, he stole second. So, Chris Barstados made um, the Gales, you know, pay for a walk. He also singled center and scored. Luke Leach um, led off the second inning with a double. Um, great offense right there already for the um, Bronx. Just early getting um, hits and everything. And um, wait till you hear this. Um, when Luke Leach came in to score a pass ball, um, senior. Alex Diamantis delivered his first home run of the season, turning on a one-one pitch and sending it over the wall in left field. Um, the third inning, um, there was back-to-back triples led by um, Jack Winsett and um, and and John Volpe. Um, just a great team effort throughout this game for Rider Baseball. Volpe came home and scored. And um, the Bronx were up three to one, I mean, five to one after three innings, Um, they ended up winning eight to one and just a great team effort all around for um, coach Barry Davis and the Ryder men's baseball team. Um, How about some love for some women's track this weekend as um, they they finished first with 245 points at the Ryder five way this Saturday at the um, track here at Ryder University. Um, um, Jordan O'Neill, um, Mariah Stevens, Genesis Walker, um Tegan Scheinbecker, Lydia Walker, Ali Richest, Natalia Glasgow, Grace Ramsey, and Samantha Kamara won their events. Um, all of them. Congrats to them all. I'll go um briefly into who did what and um to describe each event. So for the track events, um, O'Neill, Jordan O'Neill finished first in the 1500 with a time of four minutes 45 seconds. Stevens, um, also, um, she came, she claimed the win in the hurdles with her time of 1453. Um, just a great all-around effort right here by a rider women's track team like i said you know um a team like track a team like baseball might not always get the most attention we are in spring sports now um i mean they they do tweet but i really what i try to do with this show on the Bronx box was bring awareness to different teams all around campus and The track team, both men's and women's, are full of very, very talented athletes. So that was a little recap of um, just what went on in athletics, on sports, some scores and, um, you know, highlights. So as I wait for a special guest to come in, because I promise he'll be here later on the segment, um, maybe I'll tease who it is and say um, he might be with a recruiter right now, um, possibly, or doing some business right now so he'll be here soon but but i want to i want to talk about it's mac related um i want to talk about st peter's the Mac's very own representing the mac conference your rider bronx are part of and their fantastic ncaa tournament run that um all good things must come to an end they lost last night at the wells fargo center to blue blood north carolina tar heels Um, it, it was six, a dice score, um, 69, 49. Um, like I said, um, all good things must come to an end. Unfortunately, the Peacocks did the unthinkable. Um, I think I read this somewhere and I got to agree. I think they're hands down The I think they're the most exciting Cinderella team. Um, I, you, you could argue the Loyola Chicago Ramblers, um, when they made a final four run, but they were, I believe they were 10 seed, Um, just a 15 seed beating a two in the first round Um, I mean people I had kentucky in my final four. I didn't think I I I had no faith. I didn't think My own conference the team from the own, you know, our own conference here at rider representing rider representing everyone in the mac was gonna beat a big blue blood like kentucky and They played there with they played every single second of that game with confidence. And we talk about on the show in past weeks, I've guests on about, you know, having confidence in yourself. And when you put confidence into something, you can achieve anything. St. Peter's just showed that in the first round state tournament when they beat two seed and a lot of people's possible national champion in Kentucky. And moving on, they move on to the next round, obviously, and they face a um, people would say it might be some of their dark horse of the tournament, Murray State. Where in that game, St. Peter's never lost the lead. They held the lead the entire game against a Murray State team. Not to mention, Murray State is one of those teams that makes the NCAA tournament every year. They always try to go on a run. They're one of those teams that, when March comes, they know how to play. But Coach Shane Holloway and the St. Peter's Peacocks went in there with confidence. They did themselves. Shane Holloway, I I, I know he left today to go become the head coach at um, Seton Hall. But man, he is special. He is a special coach, a player's coach, um, and he's full of energy, too. Um, like I, I mentioned this on my other show that I do, but I just remember going to games and seeing him in person, and that energy you see on TV that everyone was getting exposed to during the tournament, because most people probably never heard of St. Peter's um, in Jersey City, New Jersey. Um until the tournament, I mean, I mean that's when you find that's when a lot of just your average power five basketball fans find out about these smaller schools from these mid-major conferences. Um, but, you know, seeing someone like a Shaheen Hallway, I'm like, hey, I remember watching this guy in person. I was on the other side in the bleachers watching the game at my gym, and I could hear him just go ecstatic at his team, just f- full of energy. Um love to see and how about the players how about everyone's favorite player of the tournament because i mean it's all over twitter um doug eddard um what a story um the mustache i mean that was a fun theme of the tournament too he's a baller um unfortunately last night um leaky black of the north carolina tar heels um and in my opinion he's a great defender he he, Edder eddard was um, he didn't make any field goals. They shut him down. He's been their x-factor every game So I mean shutting him down only letting him get to the line once where he made both his free throws because he's a 90% free throw shooter um, I, mean, I, I If you've been watching a the tournament, they should have stats there, but When you think of you know a good, you know good free throw shooting team. Did you think a guy? from the Mac Playing for St. Peter's in Jersey City, New Jersey, is one of the top free throw shooters, not just in, in the MAC, in the country. 90% on the season. Um, very impressive. I really like this um, NIL deal he just got during a tournament run with Buffalo Wild Wings. I think it fits his personality well. Um, Casey Ndefo is another player um, at center. Uh, he he had he got a lot of foul trouble last night against North Carolina, but uh, we talk about free throws, right? Um, he was a 52% free throw shooter on the season and When he needed to make his free throws especially in the overtime victory in round one against Kentucky he made all his free throws, and it really shows how important that is to winning games. Yes, defense wins championships, but knocking down free throws helps you secure points, secure a bigger lead. And Casey and Defoe did that. Saint um, Peter's was just such a fun team to watch. I was heartbroken yesterday because um, I'm a big North Carolina Tar Heels fan, so I had to choose a side. But um, I was raised Carolina fan, but um, just way to represent the Mac um and the crowd too before before halftime where a bunch left and for the crowd that stuck out with them the whole time passionate fans um just I, i i'll tell a story about a couple that actually sat by me i happened to be at the game last night um Besides, besides, some of them, um, near us who were trying to get some Carolina fans, um, you know, out of the game for you too loud. These two guys sat behind my friend and I last night, and they stayed for the entire thing. So after Carolina won and beat them, and, and St. Pierce was there, they they're off the court. They've been off the court forever, but these guys were here, um, experiencing, you know, seeing Carolina t- cut down the nets, and um, just wanted to say, just kudos to their fans. They were um, a lot of there were a lot of nice people I met at the Wells Fargo Center last night. Um, I even ran into a bunch of people who had all these fake mustaches on for Doug Eggert. Um, what a way for their fans to show up, um, to put the Mac on the map. Um, and, and and I mean, just knowing places on St. Peter's, the people know the arena was called the Run Baby Run Arena. See, I knew that, but I didn't know the background behind that because um here at 1077 The Bronx, um we have broadcasters. They actually did away games at St. Peter's, so I knew the name of the arena, but I didn't know the background. I didn't know it was named off of this team um, from 1968. Um, where their 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 location was run baby run, so it was named after um, a historic team. I, I just I, I just thought it was randomly called the Run Baby Run Center because you know I was started you know joking about it. I was like, oh, is that in there at all time names? You know, like Jersey Mike's uh, Arena, uh, KFC Yum Center, but no, there's meaning behind it, which was really cool. Um, so just uh, an excellent run by St. Peters. Um, and as I mentioned, um, Shaheen Holloway um, is leaving St. Peter's to become the next coach at his alma mater, Seton Hall. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see who represents the MAC next year. But the fact that the MAC was in the Elite Eight, did you ever think we were going to say that? I never thought in our, my four years here at Ryder, I would see uh, my conference go that far in the tournament. They usually just get an eliminated first round. And not to mention doing it as a 15 seed. Um, I think it's time now. I think it's time to put some respect on these mid-major teams and not uh, um, just not rank them, you know, probably a 12th seed as the highest through 15. Um, I was actually talking about that when I was home for spring break, my cousin saying he was saying these mid-major teams, a lot of these mid-major teams don't get the respect that they deserve, that they get the twelve seed as a highest. Um, they don't even get lucky as like 11 most of the time. Like um, I think like the Mac, right? Whoever wins that tournament, I feel like they would get, I, I think, Maybe a thirteen as the highest. I think. I think saying someone from the MAC would get a twelve. I think that's that's. Um, I I I think it'd be nice, but I think people would say that that's a little overstatement because, um, you know they're, they're not power five. They're not a team that usually makes it every year because, if people listening who aren't as familiar with the tournament, a lot of mid major non power five conferences. Whoever wins that conference tournament there's only going to be one of those teams representing that conference for the whole tournament. So, we're talking about St. Peter's not just winning the MAC, but they're representing the whole MAC because, you know, Iona got out early with um uh, amazing upset by um our Rider Bronx. Um no Monmouth. Um it it, it was just St. Peter's. No Siena, just St. Peter's representing the MAC in this tournament. So, I think that's something that's just really special with the NCAA tournament. You get to find out you get to find out about these small mid major schools. Um like Saint Peter's, um in the past a Florida Gulf Coast, uh they reminded me of all fifteen seeds. Um last year, Oral Roberts defeating Ohio State. Um I I think I I, I really love the exposure, as I said, for mid majors right now. And I think it's just gonna keep growing because you know, when the kids, when these kids get into the tournament, this is their, I'm, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> this is what I'm going to say, this is, you know the song they play at the end of the tournament. This is their, this really is their one shining moment. They're on the biggest stage. Um, the Mac, let's use the Mac as an example because, you know, where we are, that's, that's where St. Peter's is from, Riders in the Mac. A lot of those players, and, and Shaheen Holloway even said this too. All the games are broadcasted on either ESPN3 and Plus. Those are just streaming services. None of these players get to be on national television until the tournament. I mean, even the Mac tournament, that was all streaming until the end where it was on ESPN U and the championship game. The championship game was on ESPN News. So it wasn't on ESPN. wasn't on ESPN2. It was on ESPN News. And not everyone gets those channels. Not everyone gets ESPN News. So there are people who couldn't even see if they had cable, they would have to stream the the Mac championship game because ESPN News is not free. You got to get a package. So the fact that a team like um, St. Peter's got to play on CBS, TBS, TNT, True TV, just the whole the Turner Networks is huge, huge, because, because like I said, it gives exposure. Like I said, how many people knew where St. Peter's was? How many people even heard of St. Peter's? How many people knew their mascot was a fighting peacock? And um, what, what a coincidence when they won against Purdue on National Peacock Day. Um, that's definitely one of my favorite moments of the tournament and highlight for St. Peter's. So I'm really curious to see who will represent them back next year. Of course, I always wish for Ryder, um, and uh, they, they, if they have um, a good year, they, they can go on a run. They can go on a run. Um, as I said, um, my guest coming in soon for today's show, um, I'll say he would be the leader of a possible run by the Ryder men's basketball team in next year's tournament. Um, and I am excited to have the leader. Um, I'm not going to reveal who it is till he comes on air of the team on the show. So I still got a couple minutes. So I know I've gone on about St. Peter's, but it's just so exciting to see the Mac go on the map, go this far in the tournament. This is this is a big deal. Um, St. Peter's became the first Mac team ever to go to the Elite Eight, the furthest a team in that conference has ever gone. Um, just I, I, like I said, the exposure is so cool because how many people except for like big college basketball junkies like me have heard of the Mac have heard of st. Peter's um, it, Until like I said until they're on the big networks because it gives them exposure and the, like I said many of these players some, some of these schools don't even get to go on ESPN 3 or Plus. Um, Max schools have, have to be lucky. They all have um, trucks. Um, we have them here at Rider too, the ESPN truck. We do the broadcast that way, all student run. But um, some of them are even on even you know lower just streaming platforms for their own television network. Um, so just the exposure, as I said, that's what it's all about. And it's all about the players on the teams and the kids having fun and the love of the game. So Thank you, St. Peters. Thank you for a great run and representing the Mac. It was um, unfortunate you guys had to play uh, my tar heels, but um, way to represent our conference. So before I go to break, I want to just promote the show's social media real quick. Please follow the Bronx at the Bronx Boxcore on Instagram and Twitter. Like us on Facebook. And if you have any questions about Ryder Athletics, have a suggestion for a guest, or if you're an athlete or um, any part of the rider athletic department wanna come on the show, email the Box score at rider.edu. So we'll be right back on more of the bronk box score, including my guest, right after on the other side of this commercial break. So don't go anywhere.
0: Keep it locked on the Bronk Box Score. More exclusive content featuring your rider Bronx after we take a timeout with some underwriting announcements on 1077 The Bronx and 1077Thebronk.com. It's time to get back into the clubhouse on the Bronx Box Score with your host Justin Reevman giving out more hot content with coaches and athletes for your Rider Bronx.
1: You are listening to the Bronx Box Score. As you just heard, I'm your host Justin Reibman. Um, Still um, waiting on the guest. Not sure if he's come today. He got busy doing something else, but. Plenty of still hot content surrounding your Rider Bronx for the rest of this hour. Don't worry, I have plenty for you. And how about we do a segment? Since this is called the Bronx Box Score and I'm supposed to highlight your Rider Bronx, let's talk about some of the best athletes and coaches to go to Rider and come out of Rider. Um, I think that'd be a fun list to do. So, you know what, let's get, I, I want to save some of the interesting ones and ones you may not know for last. So, you know what, let's just knock this one out of the way because everyone knows this guy. Everyone knows, if you, I, I mean, it's been on March Madness. Um, you, you definitely heard about this guy and, and I'm talking about Jason Thompson, probably the most famous um, athlete to ever graduate from Ryder. Um not to mention um a lottery pick a lottery pick from a mid-major conference how about that you don't hear that every day a mid-major conference player um jason thompson um who not to mention is one of the only one of the few um i think only two i believe men's basketball players at rider to have his number retired not to mention um I have to put him on the list as he's probably one of, if not one of the best athletes who ever come out of Rider. He's famously known f- for um, getting drafted by the Sacramento Kings um, back in the um, draft in 2008, 2008 draft. And funny story is until I, um, I-, I knew who Jason Thompson was, I knew him because I'm a big NBA fan, but... I never heard of Ryder. Here I'm years later. Before I'm looking for my college search, and I look up sports media programs, and here's Rider. And here I am right now, and I just I, I'm gonna graduate in May from that team I first saw play Duke on ESPN or something. So yeah, Jason Thompson is one of, if not the best athlete to come out of Rider. He's still going strong overseas. Um, not to mention he comes back and he visits campus and works out with the players, works out here. Um, The the beautiful practice facility in Alumni Gymnasium is named after him. The Jason Thompson Practice Facility, the court, a beautiful facility, by the way, if you have not been in Alumni Gym in that practice area, it was a great addition. I believe they first got it my freshman year, which I'm going to say, wow, four years ago in 2018 so jason thompson is a celebrity here at rider university whenever he's on campus it's a big big deal because he's jason thompson he is a lottery pick um i mean how, how many mid-major schools get to say we got a lottery pick eighth it's just eighth no, was not my fault 2008 pick 12 I was reading the year and I was thinking eight and eight but I'm not putting that together 12 12 the pick um not to mention his brother Ryan um younger brother Ryan actually went to Ryder as well he's now the head coach at um at Rowan Rowan's Women's Basketball so the Thompsons um just are great people representing Ryder um love to see it always love seeing them represent our school I'm gonna go next I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go more current. Um she was here two out of my four years on the women's basketball team. Um I believe she yeah, she had over um I got to see her score over a thousand career points here. She even had a triple double my freshman year. And I'm talking about um Stella Johnson from women's basketball. She's on my list as an all-time great athlete to come out of Ryder University. Um Stella just was a phenomenal player here at Ryder, but she was drafted into the WNBA third round by the Phoenix Mercury um, She did get cut. See, this is a problem with the WNBA There's just not enough money in there go to the players Um draft so when on um, the teams had to make the budget cuts and let go of player. She was like go Um, but she was drafted by the Mercury and I always just think about what if the Mercury kept her, because she would be playing with Diana Taurasi, Brittany Griner, um, Skylar Diggins that end up going there, and then you would have Stella Johnson out there. Imagine if they were all running the court at the same time. Like those are, I mean, three of those are all time great players. Um, I think she fit their tempo. But like I say, when one door opens, another when one door closes, another one opens. Um, she she was signed immediately by. um Chicago um, uh, She played for Chicago In the WNBA for a little bit But I'm really excited to get to the next Part of her journey in the WNBA When my Washington Mystics picked her up And um, the Mystics Ramillon injury problems um, It was the year the WMA was in the bubble. So it was the COVID bubble year. Um, there are players who, you know, elected, who opted out, including Tina Charles, who was on the team, um, then for the mystics, um, she had asthma. Um, so she didn't want to risk going down, playing with COVID around very understandable. So Stella Johnson had a good run with the mystics. Um, I'm going to be open and say I immediately got a customized jersey because I was so excited to see someone from my school go do it on the big level. Um, I mean, I wasn't at Ryder when, you know, Jason Thompson was here, Um, so I don't I never got a Jason Thompson jersey. And I'm not saying he was exciting to watch as he represent Ryder, but you know, it's different when you're actually going to school here as a student, and you sat in those bleachers. Um, at the time, I worked for Bronx Vision, so I helped film games or operate the replay on the scoreboard. I was there to witness it. So seeing someone I got to witness do it on the big um, platform like the WNBA um, was great. And not to mention, um, the Mystics were one of the lead teams that um during that covid bubble year um if you were uh, i don't recall or people don't know um that was the year of um the George Floyd murders followed by other Brianna Taylor um just the brutal um police killings of them and um there were protests to play uh whether, to not play the games and they were led by the Washington Mystics so um Stella Johnson was part of that she was part of a movement um in, in the bubble, which um, other WNBA teams followed. And part of such a powerful moment, I remember watching on national television when all the teams came on together wearing shirts, United um, making the announcement that they were going to um, protest their games and um, not play because of the current events that were happening at the time in our country. Um, I was also lucky enough to have Stella on last year on my other show, Just in Sports, when I um, talked about social justice and um, sports, and she – Told me all about the experience in the bubble and that with the mystics. So Stella Johnson is on my list as another all-time favorite all-time great on my list of great Athletes to come out of rider. So i'm gonna keep on going. I'm gonna go to baseball. I didn't know this tile I, I just looked this up right now if i'm gonna be honest because um I, I was looking at other athletes from rider jeff Kunkel went to rider um the the shortstop former shortstop now um, he he started at he started at this. He started first at a at um, Mercer County Community College right down the street. Um, a lot of a lot of students go there their first two years and come to Rider So, um, yeah, I, I'm 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 really surprised to see this. Um, Jeff Conkle right now, um, I believe now he's doing um, stuff in the MLB. And with that, um, my guest has arrived live in studio. I'm excited. I'm going to have him get on a mic, cue him up. Um, he can have i have him sit at one of the mics over there. And I'm going to cue him up to have him on the show. Um, I'm so excited to have him on. He, Like I said, I've been teasing it the whole show. Um, they're going like to, I said, the Ben's basketball team is going to go on a big run next year. And he's going to be the leader. And um, as soon as he gets his headset on, I will introduce him to everyone listening. (laughs) And um, I'm going to cue him on right now. Welcome on to the show, Ryder men's basketball coach, Kevin Baggett. Coach Baggett, I'm so excited to have you on. How are you doing? Uh,
2: Trying to get my breath. Can you hear me all
1: right? Yes, yes, I hear you. All right, just trying to get my breath going in and in.
2: Um, As people may not know. You know once the season's over that doesn't mean the season's over for us because then it becomes recruiting and uh, you know back to working out our players and Scheduling and all the fun things
1: but uh, nonetheless, I'm happy to be here Excited to have you on so I want to talk about kind of season your coaching career and the next segment Um on this or that um, game to get to know you more Absolutely, so um like I said, before you got into your red right, coach career at Ryder, what taught your career whole as um in the game of basketball? So, um, so you played at college at the Division One level at St. Joe's University, went on a tournament run with them. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, so I was a freshman on
2: the year. It's funny, my uh, assistant Jeff Arnold on my staff was the uh, starting point guard of that team at St. Joe's. He was a senior. I was a freshman. Uh, I had a young man. He was not young anymore, but I had a gentleman in front of me by the name of Maurice Martin. I was a shooting guard at St. Joe's, and Maurice Martin was a senior, and eventually after that season that we had that great run, he ended up getting drafted by the Denver Nuggets and was the 11th player taken in the lottery and had a decent career and then hurt himself and um, ended up getting out of the league after I think about six or seven years. But we made an unbelievable run. Uh, We beat Richmond, and Johnny Newman, who played for a long time with the Knicks and some, and, uh, I want to say uh, the Charlotte. I don't know if they were the Hornets then, but Charlotte at that time. And uh, that was in the first round. And then we played in the second round. And sort of like St. Peter's made that run, uh, Cleveland State. And the head coach was uh, Kevin Mackey. And they had a little point guard by the name of Mouse McFadden. And for those of you who are basketball gurus and buffs go back and look up that name and that program and that team because they were really good that year and uh, Cleveland State ended up beating us in the second round and making it to the round of uh, 16 which we thought we had a chance of doing but it was a tough game we ended up losing but I just remember that um, what a great experience what a great game and then playing in front of the carrier dome in front of I don't know it was 28,000 fans Something that I had never experienced and never thought of, you know, this young young man coming out of Burlington Township, New Jersey. And uh, being in that circle and being in that lake was unbelievable.
1: And what many people don't know and might just be watching college basketball today is the A-10 back then. You know, they had West Virginia, yes. Temple, UMass. I mean, St. Bonaventure. Yeah. George Washington.
2: Yeah. Those that, That's when the Atlantic 10 uh, Rutgers so the Atlantic Ten was strong back then. Before all this football took over, and you know everything is driven by the Power Fives now. Back in the day, I mean, it was really the Atlantic Ten is good now, but it and but it was really, really a, a really good ten. You know hide mid-major programs in the Atlantic 10 during that time
1: yeah I just remember um, our general manager John John Moses he went to Temple he would always talk about how the A-10 isn't what it used to be and told, right. talked about all the matchups back then
2: and the fact that we used to play those games in the Palestra at times as well we played most of our games at home but on, on one of those or two of those Saturdays in the Palestra you know, and that back then, that's when they had the double headers. They would throw the streamers and everything on the first basket. Those were good times. Those, those games were played early in the afternoon on a Saturday, and you just got up for those games because you knew that it was going to be a, a great opponent, and we knew that our, our fans were going to be out, and uh, just, a, just a really, really good time back then.
1: Definitely. It, it's definitely different. Like you said, all, the, all those football deals causing right. all those power fives. It's all about the money. Yeah, exactly. You said it perfectly. <laughs> so was it always your goal to play uh, your professionally after school, or did you have other career paths, including coaches, that you knew you wanted to, to yeah. do? Yeah,
2: so I, um, growing up, you know, again, you're talking about a young man that when I was growing up came from a poor upbringing, single family. Uh, basketball was the way out for me and I knew that you know, my I had an older brother who had played and went to West Virginia State and then transferred here to Ryder in the mid-80s, played here so Ryder's been home for me for a very long time uh, but he was one of my role models and uh, another gentleman by the name of Brian Wark who ended up going and playing at St. Joe's, was my mentor and ended up playing in the NBA for a long time and when Brian was at St. Joe's, they upset um, DePaul at that time with um, Mark Aguirre, Terry Cummings. If, again, if some of those folks that are out listening um, know of some of those folks. Uh, again, those were some great DePaul Blue Demon teams back then. And uh, just growing up and watching my brother and watching Brian and uh, always being at the park day and night when people say that we used to shovel the park, uh, asphalt, we did. This oh, wow. was no story. We we would do that in the wintertime. You know, we would play day and night. Uh, there were some street lights that were up in our park, and uh, we, we played when it was dark with the street lights. So we knew how to shoot. We knew how to play in the dark. We, uh, we also knew that when those lights went dim and down, it was almost time for us to get home. But um, basketball was something that it was always – in my blood, my father played in the ABA a little bit and played at uh, NYU back when they were really good in New York. And so that's something, and again, I didn't know my father very well at that point, but I do now. But it was, it was in my blood, and so um, it was a way out. It was an opportunity because I was heavily recruited. One of my official visits was to uh, Kansas, and Danny Manning and Larry Brown was the head coach oh, then. That's a good and, teams. And, and and during that time, they won the NIT, and then they ended up winning and going and winning the national championship. Had I gone to Kansas, I would have been part of that. So. Um, I chose St. Joe's because actually Brian Work, as I said earlier, was my mentor. I used to go over to St. Joe's quite a bit, and and I just love the big five. I love the streamers. I loved everything about St. Joe's and being on the campus as a young young man. And so I I knew that this is something that I really wanted to do, and I wanted to be a pro. I mean, just like every other kid that comes up at some point, it may not work out, but my my goals and my dreams were all – um, uh, evolved around me being a pro and being in the
1: NBA someday. And what led to the transition? When you figure out you wanted to go towards the um, the coaching path.
2: Well, what's funny is that um, when I finally finished up at St. Joe's, I didn't have the as great of a career as I would have liked to have had. Um, you know, but I ended up graduating. I, and the funny part, I went into the corporate world. Uh, I was I worked for Colgate Palmolive, which is a Fortune 500 company. I was a sales rep for them for seven years. I wanted to get away from basketball for a minute because I, I fell out of love with it for uh, you know for a year or two. And sometimes you just need to take a step back to reflect. And um, you know, once I got into the corporate world, I, I had a high school coach at Cinnamons in high school asked me if I would have uh, interest in coming and being a part and being a JV coach and assistant to the varsity. And, you know, I, I wanted to get back. I still had that in me. I always want to get back. I don't care how old I I'm, you know, I get. I still want to get back to this game that's been uh, unbelievable to me. And so um, I had an opportunity to do that. And then as time went on, I started to get the bug again on wanting to coach. I would prep my wife to say to her, hey, I, I think I might want to do this at the collegiate level. So I, every summer, I would take my vacation time, and I would go and um, work all these camps. I used to work Duke's camps, which is how I got in with Shushetsky, you know. Ooh. He went to Georgia Tech. I went to Seton Hall. Any any camp that I could go and associate with those coaches and the coach and, and the head coaches uh to get my name out there to network and back during that time that was the big thing and how you could get into coaching, go work all these camps and, and get your name out there and work hard, which is what I did with the, the I and I, I'll never forget this and I tell people this all the time. There was a young man. I was at the Cry it was called the Kreider basketball camp in Cincinnati. Um and I had a team out there. I was coaching. I met this gentleman prior to me really getting to know him his name was Jeff Reynolds he was an assistant coach at uh, North Carolina Greensboro and um, my roommate for this camp actually was at one time uh, a gentleman that was the as- assistant general manager for the Dallas Mavericks right and so at that point he wasn't but so we were roommates and he introduced, introduced me to Jeff Reynolds and I said how you doing he said hey Jeff get to meet this guy. I think he would be really good at the collegiate level. If he gets an opportunity, his name is Kevin Baggett. We met and we spoke briefly and went on about my business, worked the camp the entire week. And then the last day of camp, he came to me and said, Hey, I, I've had a chance to really watch you from afar. I really like your passion, how you coach, how you uh, teach the young men. Let me help you make a phone call to, um, of Carolina and, uh, I know they have an opening who Coastal Carolina was in USC Greensboro in the Big South at that point. He said, let me make some calls, see if I can help you. Long story short uh coastal carolina's coach called me i was able to go and reach out to guys at duke coach k and those guys to make a call for me tommy amberker who was on that staff uh, yeah, now at Harvard. and uh yeah. right and uh some other guys um that that were coaching other where Kerry keaton used to be at seton hall was another guy right uh and so they make calls for me on my behalf coastal carolina flies me out right now i i this is the biggest part of this story i want people to understand like the dedication part of if you really want to do this, at that time for Colgate Palmolive, I was making sixty, seventy thousand dollars. This is back in the in the early nineties, right? And that's a lot of money. Corporate car, phone call, uh, cell phone, um, uh, quarterly bonuses, which made up close to seventy, 000, eighty thousand dollars a year. You know, it was a great um, lunches all the time with the headquarters. You know, the buyers and great job. All right? And so when I go out to Coastal Carolina, I sit down. The guy's name was Mike Hopkins at this point. Not at, not Mike Hopkins from Washington. Um, but this Mike Hopkins played at Coastal Carolina. And I'll never forget, he sat down with me and he said, um, this job doesn't pay much. And I said, okay, well, how much are you talking? He said $15,000. I said, okay, okay let, me, let me understand this. Um, you mean $15,000 for the year? He said, I mentioned to you, it doesn't pay much. So he said, what I want you to do, you don't have to say yes. You don't have to say no right now. Go back, talk to your wife. And uh, we stayed there for 48 hours. And uh, my wife and I went back and I said to my wife, I want to do it. Now, she looked at me like I was crazy. I was giving up, again, my $70,000, $80,000 corporate Fortune 500 job to go be a, a at that point, I was a third assistant, and I was a low man on the totem pole, right, and $15,000. You got to be dedicated to take a complete step back from where I was in order to take a step forward. And so um, thank God for my wife, who was a nurse, and she was able to help us to continue to, you know, be able to take care of our bills and everything. And so, you know, um, I took the job. And the rest is history, and here I am. But, again, I when I have guys ask me all the time about getting into coaching – I say, is it for the love of the sport or is it for the money? If it's for the money, then I would tell you to stay out of it. If you love it and the money isn't as important to you as much as it's the passion and the love, then do it. If you're, if you're about the money, then the money doesn't come early.
1: It, it takes some time for the money to come if it ever comes. So that's, that's my story. I love the message right there, too. But I got to go to my next break. So on the other side, we'll um, do a fun get to know you game with some this or that question. So we'll be right back with more of the Bronx Box Score.
0: Don't you dare touch that dial. The Bronx Box Score will be right back with more inside action of your Rider Bronx after we review some underwriting announcements on 1077 The Bronx and 1077 thebronxcom 1077 The Bronx timeout just expired, and that means it's time for more of the Bronx Box Score. Let's throw it back to our host, Justin Reedman, for more trending scores, updates, and interviews of your Rider Bronx. Welcome back to the Bronx Box School. As
1: you just heard, I'm your host, Justin Reapman. Still joined live in studio by Ryder men's basketball coach, Kevin Baggett. Coach Baggett, I'm going to play a fun, get to know you this or that game. You ready for him? I'm ready. So say you're a five-star recruit would you rather go to a nationally acclaimed basketball program or go to a local school and launch them to national um, prominence? I know the answer, hopefully.
2: Yeah, so um, back then I thought you, you needed to go to the highest major to get to the NBA. You know, these days, you, you know, I always tell guys, uh, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at and what you get done with where you're at. And so I believe I would prefer to go to the local school and make the big impact. And to be able to lead maybe that institution to, you know, un- unchartered, or unlimited uh, levels that maybe that university has never been to. And really make a name and, and a legacy at that
1: school as opposed to going somewhere else where there's already been legacies created. i was say a lot. And it's all about coaching, like you said, too. It's about coaching. And, you know, there's so many great coaches. You know, talk about March Madness. Right. So you know how to coach during the tournament time. Absolutely, and we're looking at one in our
2: own league in Shaheem yeah. Holloway at, uh, at St. Peter's, and I don't think anybody, including myself, I thought they could compete in the first round, but for what they've gotten done and, and gotten to the Sweet 16, you know, it just goes to show you that, again, as I say, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at, and those guys at St. Peter's did an unbelievable job in uh, making yeah. that run. So, again, mid-majors, uh, there's a lot of parity. If you're looking at what's going on in college basketball, The uh, top three out of four, once he's already eliminated,
1: I think there's a lot of parity in this tournament. Definitely. So would you rather fast or slow tempo on offense? Fast everything i, I do
2: i'm 55 years
1: old there's nothing slow in my world everything is fast i love the fast tempo as you mentioned i you know aside from here at rider you yeah, i mentioned i'm a big carolina fan right. so i love the little scrappy point guard joe you know, ty lawson absolutely guys like that
2: yeah i, I think that's the way of the world now and the nba is that way i think kids you know aau wise play that way i think they want to go to a program where guys are getting up and down and not sitting in a half court and you know, slowly trying to uh, score and run the shot clock out. I, I always call those the Ivy Leagues, you know, the Patriot League schools. Virginia. Virginia, Virginia. Virginia Yeah, too. Yeah, there's still some of those schools out there, but I think for the most part, most kids want to get up and down. Definitely.
1: Um, would you rather coach a game wearing a suit or a polo? <laughs> well,
2: being that I got a lot of money invested in my suits that was sitting in the closet the last year and a half since this pandemic, I, I tell you what, it's, I'm more comfortable. Wearing just a polo, you know, than I am a suit. Uh, I could go either way on that. I still think there's some a part of professionalism wearing a suit, but the comfortability of being on a sideline where the game's
1: on the line, you're sweating. It. Yeah, it's a little summer. more
2: comfortable wearing a polo doing that than it is wearing a suit.
1: I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I this is the most important one, the last one. Um, mm-hmm. I coached Milligan on an earlier um, semester show. I asked her, her Mount Rushmore in basketball. Um, I want to know yours. What? what Who would your Mount Rushmore basketball be? Are we talking NBA now? We could be college pro. Okay. It could be women's too.
2: Okay. Uh, I, I got to start with my favorite is Magic Johnson. Right? I got to start yeah, just- with him. When, when I grew up, I'm a Laker fan. Uh, so I, I got to put Magic up there. I, I have to put uh, Michael Jordan, right? Yes. To me, I, I, we can argue this all day long, who's the best, him or LeBron. I'm still right. going to err on the side of Michael Jordan. Uh, I, I'm going to go back to the big O. I'm a little old school with Oscar Robinson. The That's guy, a good one. The guy that uh, started the triple doubles, right? Yeah. Before Magic and in, in, in the um, Walt Fraziers and... And those guys now that are doing it, uh, you know, um, the big O would be a third one. Um, I gotta add Will Chamberlain on there,
1: right? Of course, hundred points,
2: right? And not only that, anytime the game was changed from dunking because they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't even allow him to dunk the ball because he was the guy that was doing all the dunking and everything, and um, he just had to he changed the game. And so, anytime there's one player that changes the game, he's got to be on your Mount Rushmore, right? Uh, Oh, man, there's so many guys. I'm going to go with, and I'm sure the young folks would appreciate this, I'm going to go with LeBron. I I think at some point he's going to be the all-time leading scorer in the history of the NBA. And I'm leaving Kareem off, who is right there, right? I'm I'm, I'm a Laker guy, but those would be my top five right there. And I I think LeBron uh, is is arguably uh, the best player ever to play the game. I'm missing Larry Bird. You know? So many good ones. So uh, th- those those would be my guys, though. Uh, that's that's what I would go to bat on, on those five guys.
1: Coach Baggett, it was so much fun having you on. Thank you again for coming on the show. Sorry it took me a little bit, but uh, I- I'd love to do this again sometime. I appreciate you having me. Definitely. Always invite back on, um, friend of the show. And with that, that wraps up another week of the Bronx Box Score. I've been your host, Justin Reifman.
0: That wraps up another week's edition of the Bronx Box Score. <laughs> Tune in next Monday at 4 p.m. for the hottest topics surrounding your rider Bronx. If you missed any part of today's episode, don't worry—we've got you covered. Find the Bronx Box Score on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Visit 1077 bronxcom slash Score.